This evening, we're resuming our study in the book of Romans, there in chapter 10. And if you look there with me, uh, Romans chapter 10, verse 4. This is where we're, we left off last week. Beloved, the Lord Jesus Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. Now, the law is good. It's perfect and it's glorious. I love the law of God, don't you? But be sure you know this. Be sure you know this. The holy law of God doesn't justify us and nor does it sanctify us. Rather, in the light of the gospel, God the Holy Spirit teaching us Christ and Him crucified, the law show us, shows us the iniquities of our filthy, ruined righteousness, showing us our sinful rebellion, and all this by the light of the perfect righteousness of the God-man, Christ Jesus, our Lord. You see, my friend, Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believes him. The end of the law to everyone that rests in his doing, in his honoring, in his magnifying of the law of God, both to satisfy our Heavenly Father and to save sinners who shall love his appearing. Verse 5. For Moses describeth the righteousness which is of the law, that the man which doeth those things shall live by them. Beloved, the purpose of the law is to drive us to the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, the only man to have done those things the only man to have lived by those things of the law of God is the Lord Jesus Christ. And we learn this in the glorious light of the gospel of Christ that leads a sinner like you and a sinner like me to rest in him alone. You see, the purpose and design of the law is to drive us to the Lord Jesus Christ for all of salvation, for all of our righteousness, being justified in him by his grace and we rest in him by the gift of faith that God graciously gives to his people. My friend, the law was never given to deliver us. Rather, it was given to destroy any hope we have, any false refuge we have of being saved by anything we have done. As we read in Titus chapter 3, verse 5, Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. And so the law was given to convict us of our sin and drive us to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now hold your place there in Romans chapter 10. And if you would, turn with me to Romans chapter 7. Romans chapter 7, and look there with me in verse 12. The apostle writes there, Indeed, God's word declares, Wherefore the law is holy, and the commandment holy, and just and good. Was then that which is good, good made death unto me? God forbid. But sin that it might appear sin, working death in me by that which is good, that sin by the commandment might become exceedingly sinful. Beloved, the only way we know the exceeding sinfulness of our sin is by the holy law of God convicting us and exposing that unto us. 
and then by the quickening of God the Holy Spirit, were convicted, indeed convinced of our sin and the Lord's righteousness and God's judgment. And so we are graciously led of God to take sides with him against ourselves and say, Lord, if you were to send me to hell, you'd be right in doing so. But Heavenly Father, I thank you for your well-pleasing Son and rejoice in his righteous life and hate my own. Remember what our Lord said about being his disciple? Look there with me in Luke's Gospel, Luke chapter 14. And we read this in verse 26. Our Lord declares there, Luke chapter 14, verse 26. If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife. This is Luke chapter 14, verse 26. And these are the, the words of our Lord and God preserved for us here by God the Holy Spirit. Our Lord declares, If any man come to me, and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters. Yea, in his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. What does that look like? I mean, what is it to hate my father, my mother, my wife and children and brothers and sisters? Indeed, what does it mean to hate my own life? Now, this is key. This is key. So what does our Lord mean? Turn with me to Philippians chapter 3. Now this is the testimony of a true believer and is preserved for us by God the Holy Spirit. And so our brother Paul, this disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ, shows us what it is to hate our life. He writes in Philippians chapter 3, verse 7, What things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, manure, that I may win Christ. In effect, Paul is saying, I hate my life. I hate my record. I want to be found hid in his life. I don't want to be found in my life. Rather, I want to be found in him. Verse 9, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. You see, it's by God the Holy Spirit revealing to us the excellency of Christ, his life, his doing, his sin atoning death, which drives us to look to the Lord Jesus Christ for all of our salvation. No doubt Isaac Watts, the writer of the hymn we just sang a moment ago, when he wrote, I Survey the Wondrous Cross, he understood what it was to hate his own life. He wrote, When I survey the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died, my riches gain I count but loss and poor contempt. Poor contempt on all my pride. Now, if you would turn to Galatians chapter 3, Galatians chapter 3, and look there with me in verse 23, Galatians 3, verse 23, 
You see, beloved, before faith came, and this is the Apostle Paul writing to God's beloved people. Beloved, before faith came, we were kept under the law, shut up unto the faith which should hereafterwards be revealed. Wherefore, the law was our schoolmaster unto Christ. Now, I noticed to bring us isn't in italics. Wherefore, the law was our schoolmaster unto Christ, that we might be justified by faith. Justified not by the law, rather, justi rather justified by faith. Verse 25. But after that faith has come, we are no longer under a schoolmaster. For ye are in all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many as you, for, for as, as many of you as have been baptized in Christ, have put on Christ, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond nor free, there is neither male nor female, for ye are all one in Christ Jesus. And if ye be Christ's, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Now go ahead and keep your bookmark there in Galatians chapter 3. We'll, uh, we'll be returning there in just a moment. But let's go back to Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. Now, in these next verses, from verses 5 down through to verse 10, the Apostle Paul, being directed by God the Holy Spirit, having been given instruction in these words by inspiration of God the Holy Spirit, makes a sharp contrast between the righteousness which is of the law and the righteousness of faith revealed in the gospel. Look again at verse 5. For Moses describeth the righteousness which is of the law, and then he writes in verse 6, But the righteousness which is of faith speaketh on this wise. Now notice this contrast. The righteousness of the law and the righteousness which is of faith revealed in the gospel of Christ. Now what does the law of God require? I mean, what would we have to do to meet the holy standard of the law to be righteous before God? Absolute, perfect, obedience to the law of God. Indeed, God's law demands absolute perfection or death. You see, the holy law of God demands perfect obedience in every thought, in every motive, in every attitude, in every deed, all the time and in every way. Now, the only person who met that holy standard of the law was our blessed Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. My friend, may God grant you to see that how that none of us None of us can meet that perfect standard of the law. Now, keep your place in Romans and return with me back to Galatians chapter 3. And then look there with me in verse 10. Galatians 3, verse 10. It says there, by the Apostle's pen, indeed, it is, it is God's word. For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law. To do what? It doesn't say to read them, or admire them, or to observe them. Rather, it says to do all things which are written in the book of the law, to do them. Verse 11 but that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God, it is evident. 
for the just shall live by faith. And the law is not of faith. The law is not of faith, but the man that doeth them shall live in them. You see, the man that does the law, if you can obey the law of God perfectly, if you would be able to work out a righteousness before God that would be acceptable unto God, then, then Christ would not have to have come into this world to die. And sadly, a lot of people are deceived in regard to this matter of righteousness by the law. They actually think, and we once thought this, did we not? They actually think that they can establish a righteousness that is acceptable to God through their own obedience. Turn with me to Luke chapter 10. It's always helpful to listen to our Lord. He who has ears to hear, Lord, let him hear. Luke, let him hear for Christ's sake. Luke chapter 10. And I'll begin reading there in, in verse 25. Luke 10, verse 25. Behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted our Lord, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said unto him, What is written in the law? How readest thou? And he answering said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy strength, and with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. And our Lord said unto him, Well, thou hast answered right. This do, and thou shalt live. Now, could that man do that? Could he obey that standard? Beloved, if righteousness come by the law, Christ is dead in vain. You see, if we could get it done by the deeds of the law, there would have been no need for the Lord Jesus Christ to come and give his life a ransom for sinners. Now notice again Romans chapter 10, verse 5. It says there in the latter part of verse 5, The man which doeth those things shall live by them. Now that's in reference to Leviticus chapter 18, verse 5. God's word declares there in Leviticus Chapter 18, verse 5. You don't need to turn there. I have the reference here. But if you want, uh, please do. <laughs> All men, uh, every man a liar, God be true. <laughs> we check what God's word says. It says there in Leviticus chapter 18, verse 5, Ye shall therefore keep my statutes and my judgments, which if a man do, and in effect, we're reading there, if he can do them, he can inter inherit eternal life. He shall live in them by doing the law. I am the Lord. Now, my friend, there's a big problem with that way of thinking. A guilty, vile, wretched sinner like me or like you, well, we can never obey the holy law of God perfectly. Not personally, not you, not me, not any man save one. <laughs> the God-man, our Lord and God, Jesus Christ. Now, a lot of people are so deceived that they actually think they, they're living by the Ten Commandments. You know, that they say, I'm living by the Ten Commandments. Or they might say, the rule of law for my life or the rule of my life is the Ten Commandments. Well, the problem with that is that you just put yourself under the curse of the law. Because the law says, do everything perfectly. And if you don't, 
And if you don't do everything perfectly, as we just read in Galatians chapter 3, verse 10, cursed is everyone that continueth not in all the things which are written in the book of the law to do them. Not according to our standard, according to God's glorious, holy, perfect standard. Thank God for the gospel of Christ. Thank him for that righteousness, which is of faith. And that's what we read there in Romans chapter 10, verse 6. But the righteousness, which is of faith, the righteousness, which is of God, which is of Christ, speaketh on this wise, say not in thine heart who shall ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down from above, or who shall descend into the deep, that is to bring up Christ again from the dead. My friend, does it depend upon you to bring the Lord Jesus Christ from heaven to earth? Or does it depend upon you to raise the dead body of the Lord Jesus Christ out of the ground? No, of course not. Rather, it depends upon him and him alone. You see, the righteousness which is of faith speaketh on this wise. And that's the righteousness that's revealed in the gospel. That faith that rests in the perfect righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ, who is all of our righteousness before God. Remember back in Romans chapter 9, verse 30, the apostle writes there, What shall we say then? That the Gentiles which followed not after righteousness have attained to righteousness, even the righteousness which is of faith. And so, my friend, which righteousness do you have? (laughs) A righteousness that's of the law or the righteousness which is of faith? Beloved, I trust that the righteousness you want to have and indeed do have by God's grace is the righteousness that's revealed in Christ who is called the Lord our righteousness. Now, in these verses, the apostle quotes the law to show us that the message of the law is Christ. The reference there is Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses 10 to verse 14. You see, the law is given of God to point us to Christ. Indeed, every blood sacrifice under the law says salvation is through our substitute, the Lord Jesus Christ. Every priest that went in officiating as a representative man for those people, Israel, Every priest, every sacrifice, all of those things point us to the Lord Jesus Christ, who is our sacrifice and who indeed is our great high priest. Remember, the Lord said to those Jews, you are they which search the scriptures, but they are they which testify of me. And talking about the Old Testament scripture, our Lord said, had you believed Moses, you would have believed me because Moses wrote of me. And then Peter, when he preached to Cornelius in his house, and this is recorded for us in Acts chapter 10, he said to him, to Christ Jesus the Lord give all the prophets witness, that through his name, whosoever believeth in him shall receive remission of sins. You see, in in Genesis, all the way through Isaiah, Jeremiah, and all the prophets, they all tell us and bear witness to the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, in my study, I use several commentaries, um, men I consider to be faithful to the gospel. There's um, John Gill, uh, Robert Hawker, and Henry Mahan. And in Mahan's commentary, he quotes a man I'm not too familiar with, 
In any case, Brother Henry quotes him, and I believe this is perhaps the best commentary I've read thus far on Romans chapter 10, verse 6 and 7. It's a fellow by the name of John Brown. And he writes, quote, and again, this is in reference to John chapter 10, verses 6 and 7. He writes, Do not think that divine justification depends on something to be done by you or anyone else. There is no need to say, Who shall ascend to heaven to bring the Messiah down? For he has already come and performed the work for which he came. He has finished our righteousness and redemption. He said, It is finished. Now, just an aside, interrupting this quote, he didn't say this part, but I, I hope you noticed what the commentary writer just wrote. <laughs> you see, the gospel teaches us how that the Lord has both finished our righteousness and our redemption. Indeed, we have received double of the Lord's hand, righteousness and redemption. I'll continue, I'll pick up here. And so, John Brown continues... And so there is no need to say, who shall descend into the deep to bring him up from the grave? For he is risen. He is risen for our justification and intercedes for us. The gospel which reveals it tells you that they are all finished. The all-sufficient Savior, who saves sinners to the uttermost, is to be believed and received. End quote. And so how do we believe and receive him? How do we believe and receive him? By faith, beloved, not by works. Now take a look at Romans chapter 10, verse 8. But what saith it? That is, what does the righteousness which is of faith say? The word, the written word, the incarnate word, the, the Lord Jesus Christ, as we read in John's gospel, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. So what saith the righteousness which is of faith? What saith this living and written word, the word that is nigh thee, and beloved Christ in you, is the hope of glory, even in thy mouth and in thy heart, that is, the word of faith which we preach. You see, beloved, the word is nigh thee. God's word, Christ Jesus the Lord, lives in our heart. And because of that, we preach the word of faith, and we testify of Christ being the word, being the object of our faith. The message of the gospel that we preach is the Lord Jesus Christ himself. The word is at hand. It's nigh thee. That's the word we preach. Now, this is not in my notes, but I, I want to show you this. This is so vitally important. If you look in Acts chapter 8, I believe that's where we'll find that. Acts chapter 8. The Holy Spirit preserves for us this faithful minister of the gospel, Philip. I want you to observe and notice what this faithful minister of the gospel does when he preaches. Now, there's two references here. I don't know if I'll be able to find both of them. So I'll just give you the one reference. If you look there, in verse 35, in this portion of Acts chapter 8, we see that there's three things set forth here we see that God has sent his man <laughs> with his message, uh, with his means. And in verse 35, it says there, Philip opened his mouth and began at the, and, and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. <laughs> he didn't preach to him your best life now. 
He didn't preach to him some uh, moral precepts or any, anything of the sort. He preached Christ and him crucified. You know, um, you'll find in false religion, they uh, are very um, pragmatic. And they, they believe that um, it's their job to uh, make disciples, you know. They'll uh, get people into a discipleship program and they'll teach you uh, uh, what to read, what to say, what to eat, what to drink, how to talk, how to walk. <laughs> and uh, our brother Philip, if you, if you have some time, look at this chapter. Our brother Philip here in this account of the eunuch and Philip, it's, it's remarkable how much I can, and I believe every believer can identify with this eunuch. There was a time, beloved, when we thought, how can I understand these things unless a man teach me? <laughs> and Philip, he wasn't uh, one of these uh, um, pretenders going around pretending to be better than everyone else, you know, preaching to this eunuch like he was going to straighten his life out. Not at all. Philip was sent of the Lord, a man sent of God, and he had... Uh, a clear understanding of how it is that God saves his people. Remember what our Lord said? He says, it's written in the prophets and they shall all be taught of God and all who hear the Father and learn of him come to me. That's how God makes disciples. We don't get them into some sort of 10-week re rehabilitation program and try and straighten them out. And uh, I love what Philip does when he hears that from the eunuch, how can, can how can I understand this unless a man, a man show me? Philip didn't go about to try and set him straight. He didn't try to put his doctrine in order. He just opened his mouth and preached to him Christ, our glorious Savior. And next moment, you know, the eunuch, not Philip, the eunuch's going, where's water? <laughs> oh, uh, it's such a, a blessed thing to see God the Holy Spirit preserving the faithful testimony of this man named Philip. We preach Christ, beloved, <laughs> and him crucified. And that's what we preach. And, and Paul also said, we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for his sake. Beloved, we preach not ourselves, rather we preach the word. We preach, thus saith the Lord. And that's the charge that Paul charged Timothy with. He said, young pastor Timothy, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quickened and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word, be instant in season and out of season. Always preaching the word. And so what's the occasion when we should preach the word? <laughs> Every time we have the opportunity to do so. And so then he says, we preach the word of faith. You see, that's how salvation is received. And we know that faith does not accomplish salvation. You see, my friend, faith doesn't accomplish salvation. Rather, faith receives the Lord Jesus Christ who accomplished salvation for us, his beloved people. Now, where does this faith come from? Faith is the gift of God, and it comes by hearing the word of God. Turn with me to Romans chapter 10. And look there with me in verse 17. It says there in Romans 10, verse 17, So then faith cometh by hearing. Hearing what? The word of God. 
So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. You see, by the power of God, we hear Christ in the message, and we preach, that is, the word of faith, which is nigh thee. We preach the word of God, we preach the word of faith, we preach Christ and him crucified. Beloved, that's our message. We don't preach what you must do. We don't preach that. Rather, we preach what Christ has done for us. You see, salvation does not depend upon you. Indeed, the gospel message is not due. Rather, the gospel message is done. <laughs> D-O-N-E. Now, I would be remiss if I didn't explain why it is we say it's done. I don't want to be uh, novel with some cliche word. Our Lord said, it is finish, speaking of our salvation, beloved. And in glory, we hear the same message. He actually says in glory, <laughs> it is done. And so we preach not ourselves, but rather we preach Christ and him crucified. And so you see, our salvation is done through the Lord Jesus Christ, beloved. Indeed, he accomplished our salvation for us. My friend, this is all you need to hear. Christ is all. I mean, I'm not here to teach you social skills or financial skills or any other type of carnal reformations from these other maladies of society and, you know, these different things. And further to that, nor are we Protestants. You know, we're not protesting this vice or the other. We're not trying to put bootleggers or pornographers out of business. That's not our mission. That's not our goal. Rather, we're to go and preach the gospel of Christ. And so all you need to hear is the glorious good news of the Lord Jesus Christ. My friend, all you need to hear is the Lord Jesus Christ. He's all you need to know. Indeed, our Heavenly Father speaks from, from above and says, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. <laughs> That's all I want to do. I just want to hear him. You see, every truth that we've learned, beloved, comes from Christ himself. When we talk about election, he is the elect. When we talk about the atonement, he is the atonement. When we talk about the effectual call, he is the one who calls us. When we talk about perseverance of the saints, he's the one who preserves us by his grace. And I want to show you this, this verse. Many of you are familiar with it. It's in 1 Peter chapter 1. You know, you've heard about that, that doctrine, you know, the perseverance of the saints. And it's true. Uh, the, the saints will persevere to the end. But it's such a comforting thing to re read the reason why, beloved, <laughs> we persevere. It has nothing to do with us. <laughs> it has everything to do with him. It says here in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 5, and this is speaking to God's elect who are kept by the power of God through faith, the, the faithfulness, the uprightness of our Lord and God, Jesus Christ, unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Beloved, we're kept by the power of God. <laughs> God, give us all grace to take all the business that we're all caught up with and just pause for a moment and just rest there for some time and think about it. We're kept by the power of God, the one who made the sun, the stars, the moon, who the one who keeps us alive at this very moment. We're kept by that power, beloved. 
And um, it's important for us to remember we're not trusting in a what, we're trusting in a whom. The Apostle Paul said, I know whom I have believed and am persuaded. Now, why do you think Paul was persuaded? Well, he knew by God's undeserved grace that all power in heaven and earth had been given and indeed is given to the Son of God. Now, if you're trusting in someone who has all power in heaven and earth to save you, do you think he's going to fail to do that? <laughs> Absolutely not. You know, um, there are some people that like to get caught up in, uh, in arguing and debating these things, and there's really nothing to debate. The Apostle John writes, He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God has not life. That's the only issue. And, 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 and beloved, if, if he's all you've got, <laughs> you've got uh, you've got everything <laughs> you really do if you have him you have everything if you don't have him you have absolutely nothing but if you're looking for something else other than Christ well you better go somewhere, somewhere else because all I have is Christ and his gospel <laughs> Now, I'm not being uh, narrow. I'm not being a hard shell. Rather, I'm just being honest with you. I'm not anyone else's ambassador. <laughs> Save Christ, my Lord, my God, and my King. I have no right to say anything else behind this pulpit. But Christ and Him crucified. All right, look at Romans 10, verse 9. And the apostle writes there that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, confessing with thy mouth Jesus Christ to be the Lord, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. Now this is not talking about that old heart that is desperately wicked and deceitful above all things. No, no. This is talking about believing with that new heart that's given in regenerating grace. You see, salvation is a heart work that affects the whole will, mind, and affection. You see, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. A new will, a new mind, and new affections. And so, if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead... Thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Now when a sinner believes, when he's saved by the grace of God, he believes that his salvation is of the Lord. It's not, I did my part and God did his part. No, no. Salvation is of the Lord. In fact, uh, there's so many... There's never enough time for all of these reference, but I want you to see this in the Word of God. These promises are so precious. If you look with me, at he, um, I believe it's in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. It says there, Looking unto the Lord Jesus Christ, 
looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, indeed the author and finisher of our salvation, beloved, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. What a comforting thing to read there. It's just another way of saying it is finished. <laughs> you see, when we believe in the heart, when we believe in the heart with that new heart given by God, we confess him with our mouth. We own him and openly and publicly confess the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the Lord of glory. And so we believe and confess that Jesus Christ accomplished for us, salvation for us and that God raised him from the dead. So why did God raise his beloved son from the dead? He was delivered for our offenses and he was raised again because he justified us by his own precious blood. And we own, believe, and confess that Jesus Christ accomplished our salvation. He said, it is finished. It is done. And so God raised him from the dead by the power of God, signifying that his work was accomplished, that his work was accepted of God. Indeed, his resurrection declares that all he did was accepted of our Heavenly Father. When he by himself purged our sin, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Beloved, our Lord Jesus Christ accomplished all of God's purpose in saving all of his beloved people, his elect. Now, look again there with me at verse 10. Romans chapter 10, verse 10. Now, here is the, the nature of true saving faith. For with the heart... Man believeth unto righteousness. Now, when we read that word heart, this is not speaking about an organ in our body. Rather, this is speaking about the regenerating grace of God, whereby he gives us a new heart, a new mind, a new understanding, and new affections that were not there before. And that happens when God acts, <laughs> not when we act. Uh, Another reference for you, uh, Acts chapter 16. This is, this is not in my notes, but it's, it's, uh, it's another glorious passage. In Acts chapter 16, verse 14, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, uh, this is speaking about an entrepreneurial woman, uh, a vendor of textile materials, of, I guess uh, purple cloth. And I love what it says there for us. While in false religion you'll hear people beg people to open up their own heart and let God in. That's uh, not anything to do with what God sets forth on how he saves his people. It says here, a certain woman named Lydia, a seller of purple of the city of Tiatira, which worshiped God, heard us, heard uh, the apostle Paul preaching Christ and him crucified. And it says here, whose heart the Lord opened that she attended unto the things which were spoken of Paul. And when she was baptized in her household, she besought us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and abide there. And she constrained us. And so God gives us a new heart, a new mind, a new understanding, and new affections that were not there before. You see, beloved, God causes us to love things that at one time we once hated. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness of God. 
Now, this is the gospel message all the way through the book of Romans, is it not? The righteousness which is of God. The righteousness, is, the righteousness of God. Now, it's not the righteousness which is of the law. Rather, it's the righteousness revealed in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Indeed, the Lord Jesus Christ is our righteousness. For the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. You see, with the mouth we confess what's in our heart. Indeed, what's in the well of the heart comes out the bucket of the mouth. Or as our Lord said, out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh. And so when God has done a, that heart work of saving mercy in us, and that's what the faith of God's elect confesses, the true Christ of God, the true way of salvation in Christ, how that the Lord Jesus Christ alone is all of our righteousness before God. And this is our confession. Salvation is of the Lord. Verse 11. For the scripture saith, and here the apostle is quoting Isaiah chapter 28, verse 16, and he quotes this in Romans 9 and in Romans 10. For the scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. And Paul says there in Romans chapter 1, verse 16. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed. You see, when God operates upon our heart in saving mercy, he opens our mouth to praise him. As Paul said, God forbid I should glory save in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we heard it the way David put it just earlier for our reading. This is in Psalm 115. Not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but unto thy name give glory for thy mercy and for thy truth's sake. Beloved of him, are we in Christ Jesus, who of God has made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that according as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory only in the Lord Jesus Christ. Beloved, whosoever believeth on him, whosoever believeth on the Lord Jesus Christ, shall not be ashamed. Beloved, thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I lay in Zion for a foundation stone, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation, and he that believeth shall not make haste. Beloved, we shall not make haste. We shall never be forced out. We will never be confounded. We will never be ashamed. That's what the mouth confesses. How that our salvation is by our never-failing Lord, and that's our heart confession publicly before God and before his people. Salvation is of the Lord. Indeed, whosoever believeth on him, whosoever believeth on the Lord Jesus Christ shall not be ashamed. Amen.